Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at WSN and your host for the Wisports.net podcast. We are entering week four of the high school football season, the adjusted, delayed, unexpected, uh, un, uh, just wild and crazy uh, changes all the time high school football season, unlike anything we've ever seen before, obviously, where we are having games moved, changes made, um, cancellations right up until a couple hours before game time, unfortunately. Uh, but teams are finding a way as much as they can to make it through. We are still uh, awaiting the final numbers for this week. But uh, last week, there were 38 games that were canceled, 118 that were excuse me, played. So about 76% of all games that were on the schedule after all of the changes before the season started, about 76% were played, which is down slightly from the week before, which was about 78%. Week one, it was about 85%. We'll see if week four, what direction that trends in, if if we are going to have fewer cancellations, if it'll be about the same uh, right now, looking a little bit better, but obviously we're still uh, still waiting to see what happens with some of these games, some of these teams that maybe have been on a little bit of a quarantine or a break or a pause last week or the last couple weeks, and it, whether they'll come back and get back into action. Already we know some are, which is great to see. <clears throat> Our conversation today uh, is, is going to be pretty focused, and, and we're going to get into it in just a moment. It's going to make up the bulk of our podcast. A great interview with Dr. Wade Lebecki, the Deputy Director at the WIAA, uh, where Dr. Lebecki will join us to talk about this fall season and, and how things have gone. If there's things that have surprised him about the number of cancellations, the number of changes, the, the number of teams that moved to the spring, just how, how things have gone so far and what it's been like for him to, to deal with all of it as the uh, person that oversees football for the WIAA. We'll talk to him about plans for the football culminating event, what that's going to look like, how it will work. Uh, there's been a lot of questions about it. It's It's been going in the direction for quite a while. I mean, we've, we've basically understood that it's going to be four-team regional groupings, and that's going to be what it is. But he'll provide some additional context of how those football culminating events will work. Uh, we'll also dive into the winter sport guidelines that were released by the WIAA last week. What went into making those, how they turned out. We'll get uh, some clarification from him on uh, on masks and, and how that will work. There was a lot of questions about that because there was a little bit of conflicting information in a few parts of those guidelines. So we'll get some clarification from him on that. We'll talk about uh, the wrestling season as well. Uh, have have had some questions about that. There's some some changes and some, some things that are different, a little bit of limitations. And he'll talk to us about how they are looking to do kind of a graduated approach there and and kind of prove that it can be done before they start ramping up to uh, to, to bigger things and, and more uh, multi-team events and things like that. And, and we'll get his thoughts on on what winter sports will be, if if they'll happen, how they'll happen, how it'll look. Uh, so really a great conversation with Dr. Lebecki coming up in just a minute. Uh, again, you can uh, check out all of our regular information on WSN this week, though. It's it's a regular week four of the high school football season. Uh, you can get our week four preview that'll be up a, a little bit later today on Thursday. You can still vote in the, uh, as of right now, until four o'clock on Thursday, you can still vote in the WSN football team of the week poll, the player of the week poll. You can check out the coaches' rankings 
Um, all that regular stuff you can still find at WSN. And also, we're, we're getting into you know that end part of the year. So the, the individual girls' golf state tournament was held already. Uh, champions crown there. The girls' tennis championships are this weekend. And just recently, the WI has released the brackets for boys' soccer, for, uh, for volleyball as well, as they move into, uh, you know, starting their culminating events. And, and we'll, uh, we'll look forward to getting into those. Uh, so still a lot going on, but uh, we're looking forward to a conversation that we'll have with Dr. Lebecki in just a minute. Um, again, check out all of our regular stuff on WSN in the meantime, though. As our discussion continues about not only the uh, fall sports season, how things have been going, what uh, what to look for in the le- next few weeks and uh, the final few weeks of the fall sports season, but also as we begin to transition into winter sports very soon, uh, bringing on our next guest uh, to talk about all of that, and that would be WIAA Deputy Director Dr. Wade Lebecki, who joins us today for a few minutes. And uh, uh, Dr. Lebecki, I definitely appreciate you joining us. I, I imagine there's a lot going on as you guys are trying to put the, the finishing touches on this fall season and have an eye, uh, of course, towards that winter season as well. Right, you know, and it's kind of neat that we were able to offer some uh, culminating events in our sports, you know, like golf and tennis that are, are wrapping up here. And um, I know that um, Kate and Stephanie are working hard on their cross-country soccer and volleyball. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how all of that goes out because, you know, I think our fall sports obviously are going to be an indicator, especially volleyball, of what we can do in the winter. And, you know, in football, since it's a high-risk sport, we're not offering that uh, state tournament, and I know some people are unhappy with that, but being a high-risk sport, we want to keep it more into the regional area, and that's what we'll do. We'll go ahead and uh, keep them in pods of four, um, you know, and, and do the qualifying field as we normally do it. Our maps will just be drawn differently. We'll go ahead and we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, put them into groups, and hopefully we'll do them in competitive groups. I think that's what the, the coaches wanted to do, and you know, so we won't have an one seven playing a seven and old team, but we'll try to do them in, in geographic and competitive groups and uh, seed them according to the uh, electronic seeding program that the, the coaches did so well on last year, and, and uh, see how that turns out. Um, we're going to tell the schools that if they want to go ahead and have the winners play the winners, that's what we'll take care of. And and then, if, but if the losing losing teams want to play each other and have another game, they can go for it. You know, so. We've been trying to go ahead and see if we can give the, the kids the opportunity to play as many games as possible, and that's really what we're trying to do here this year. We'll dig into uh, some of those culminating events uh, a little bit uh, more uh, later in our discussion, but just want to get a feel from you on on how you think things have gone this year so far. Obviously, very different. There was a delay to the season. There was uncertainty. There's teams that have moved to the spring option. Um, we've had a, a number of cancellations and changes, and, and teams have had, had to be very flexible, obviously. But overall, how do you think things have gone this fall compared to maybe what your expectations were coming in? Well, they've exceeded my expectations. I was really worried, you know, when we were working through this stuff during the summer with uh, the contact and that. And uh, I was worried that we would get the seasons off and running. There's, uh, you know, we still have opposition to that. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to go ahead and, and, and build confidence here that we can we can do this stuff in a, in a healthy manner and mitigate the risk as much as we can. Um, you know, we have to figure out how to 
basketball or the exposure. And, and I think our, our schools are doing a real responsible job with it, uh, you know. So it's going well. Uh, I'm really impressed with the fact that, you know, we've had some seasons and, and we've had some games. And so uh, I think the coaches and the athletes are doing a, a wonderful job because they know uh, they need to go ahead and follow those guidelines and they need to go ahead and and mask up and, and they need to go ahead and lead to, to get people to do the same so the kids can have their games. So well, it's exceeded my, my expectations. Um, you know, we tried to work as hard as we could with our sports medical advisory, but I think, uh, like I said, the coaches and the, and the players in the schools are doing a great job making sure that, that they're, they're staying healthy and, and they're, you know, they're quarantining. There's no doubt about that. Um, there's been programs who've been halted. We've had, you know, five or six go to spring already, but you know, they're doing the best they can. We're talking with deputy director, uh, Wade Lebecki from the WIAA, um, you mentioned it, some of the changes and cancellations that teams have had. Uh, has the number of cancellations, which last week, according to our count, was somewhere around 30, uh, 38, I think, last week, which is up slightly from the week before. Have the number of cancellations and games that have had to been changed and, and programs halted, has that been higher, lower than, than maybe what you thought or or – have you, have you been surprised by the number that have had to make those kinds of adjustments? You know, I didn't know what to expect, Travis. I think, you know, as you said, it's rising a little bit. So it's, a, it's there. I, I expected that we would have more uh, cancellations um, to a degree, but really with the, with the um, teams and schools that are playing, you know, they're more medium and small schools. So, I expected a little bit less in those areas. So it really depends on where, where the cancellations are, uh, where you would expect more or less of that type of a situation. So um, for me, it was more of will, will the rural areas be less infected and less quarantining and canceling than will the, the schools that are located in the suburb or in the city. Now, I think our rural schools are, are – quicker i think that that what i expected so that was kind of a surprise but there there i didn't i guess i really didn't know what to expect so <laughs> it's it's working out that you know like they're getting their opportunity to play and um if they need to take a week off or two weeks off to quarantine they do it and they come right back do their practices and they, they play their games so uh, i'm impressed you know we had a cancellation in volleyball or we had a situation in volleyball where a girl came back positive and the health department reviewed the guidelines with with the um, athletic director of, of the school and wanted the athletic director was really surprised that they didn't have to do any tracing well the you know disinfecting the ball and masking up everybody indoors and that worked out well so and like i said i'm really impressed with the way that our, our schools are are following the guidelines the uh the schools that have had to cancel it, it seems from from my perspective, following it and tracking it, that the the majority of them aren't necessarily because there's been issues on their teams. It's it's been issues in the community, you know, levels in the community, or the health, the health department said, hey, you know, our our community spread or in our county is such that we you need to pause, or maybe the school made that decision. Um, without getting into into specifics, um, you know, have have there been any widespread outbreaks on teams, or has it largely been kind of that community issue in most places that, that you have seen? It's mostly a community issue or a school issue. 
not the team issue, like you said. It's uh, it's the observation I've got. Um, they, they'll shut down the school, and then the program is shut down. You know, we try to tell them, you know, if you can if you can um, shut down a pod from a team, it'd be a lot easier if you're infected. But I'm not aware of, uh, like I said, the one situation in volleyball where a team had to had to quarantine. So they haven't, we haven't been tracking or tracking all of that stuff. And that's the one thing that I, I think we want to maybe consider for the winter sports is to go ahead and have a little bit more information. But again, there's HIPAA and all of that stuff that you have to deal with. But yeah, I'm not aware of, of a football team shut down because a football player was positive. As you uh, mentioned before, there there are plans for culminating events for high school football this year. They are going to be very different, and, and you kind of outlined some of them a little bit. But if you could, just kind of walk through that process. Um, what's going to go into those culminating events? Who's going to make it? How, uh, how things will work? If there will still be divisional structure or if it will be everybody kind of mixed in? Could you just work through that a little bit more? Sure. What I would what my plan is, is I'd like to go ahead and, and survey the schools and have anybody that's going to opt out in the playoffs opt out first and then see how many schools there are. Um, if there's, you know, more than 224, uh, we'll have to decide, do we want to just go ahead and, and have everybody in or do the qualifying field uh, by, according to criteria? We won't be using conference records because all of the um, – all of the, you know, many of the schools are, are mixed schedules, mixed conferences and stuff like that. So that won't be as big of a factor. So we'll be going with the overall record uh, to determine the qualifying field. We still will divide them into divisions. Um, you know, so right now it'd be 32 in a, in a division. And just so we can match up the schools with the appropriate enrollment. Um, with those divisions, then we'll divide them up into groups of four. So instead of groups of eight, there'll be groups of four. So we'll have eight groups in each one. Um, our goal is to draw the maps so uh, geographically they're they're tighter, and that we can have a little bit of a um, some competitive balance in there. So, you know, I, I had a conference that asked if they could go ahead and have their top four in the one pod and their bottom four in a different pod, and you know, geographically that's a, makes sense, and you know, competitively that makes sense. And then we'll take the take the seeds from. Uh, the computer and, and run those pods through those seeds, and then we'll see uh, see them one one versus four, two versus three, and then the following week we would go ahead and have the winners play each other. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna offer the losing teams to go ahead and play an extra game as well, because some schools can go ahead and, and you know we'll be able to schedule during those two weeks as well. Uh, the board did change that and gave that opportunity that any team eliminated from the playoffs can go ahead and, and schedule more games, which normally they cannot do. So I'm anticipating we'll see more of that in volleyball as well, is that when somebody's eliminated from the regionals, they'll be able to find somebody else in the regionals to play. So we're going we're gonna to see how many opportunities we can give the people and, and give the kids uh, you know, for, for them to get games in. We have seen some teams that have already had games scheduled uh, for that week eight and week nine, which are the level one, level two culminating events. Um, do you anticipate those are just kind of placeholder games right now, or, or do you think those might be teams that say, hey, we're going to just do our own thing and, and not necessarily be part of the playoff? Right. They're probably opting out of the playoffs. Um, you know, there's some districts that have some pretty tight rules on regions and and. and 
how far out they can go. Some counties are putting limitations on you can't play anybody outside of your county. So there's going to be those people opting out as well. And that's what, you know, I'm, I'm imagining that could be. All right. Well, let's uh, turn our attention a little bit to the winter sports season, which is not very far away. We're only about a month away from uh, the start of some of those winter sport practices. And uh, last week, the WIAA did uh, release the winter sport guidelines that uh, laid out some of the uh, changes, the recommendations, the requirements for teams, for schools, for coaches, for players, for officials um, to get back into to winter sports, which, of course, um, Many of them, uh, a couple of them, boys and girls basketball specifically, were uh, canceled short of their uh, end back in the the late uh, winter, early springtime. So uh, what went into developing those winter sport guidelines, and and ultimately, how do you think they turned out? Well, you know, the general guidelines, again, were were pretty much the same as the fall. We had to do some adjustments for uh, indoor uh, activities, you know, because all of those obviously in the winter will be indoors. So that's the the biggest changes that you see. We did um, we did go ahead and provide some guidelines for concessions if a school wants to do concessions indoors. So that's uh, that's uh, the basic piece, and those were uh, developed by Dr. Um, uh, Walter and, and the and the uh, sports medical people for the winter guidelines. Then. Each of the staff members went ahead and did a um, their sport, and they provided the, the basic guidelines for the sport. And what went into that piece was they would go ahead and, and deal with the bench areas and deal with uh, some of that stuff. And then once um, they, the sport directors did their own sports, then those were sent to the doctors for the doctors to review and, and for the doctors to go ahead and make suggestions for any changes in that. Uh, and then, obviously, once we got those out, which was Thursday night, uh, we were able to have the board approve them for Friday. And then we dispersed them out and put them out on the web so schools could go ahead and, and use them. I know they were getting a little antsy, so we wanted to make sure that they could go ahead and, and get those for their use. So that's uh, ready to go. I know there's some some disappointment in the wrestling right now, but we will address those as we go. Uh, I do want to ask a little bit about wrestling because there was a few coaches that had uh, had had some some questions. Um, but but first, just kind of a general thing, I had some questions on masks masks and, and mask rules as it applies to this because there's a few different references to it in the guidelines, and I just want to clarify uh, or have you clarify for for folks at home. So obviously, the, there's a mask rule in effect right now uh, in the state of Wisconsin by the governor's order. I believe that goes through right. currently November 6th or something like that. Um, I think we all can uh, anticipate that there's a good chance that will be extended. So if that is extended, will players in wrestling, basketball, um, hockey, all the, all the winter sports, will they be required to wear masks during competition as part of that? Um, or it, it does mention in the guidelines a few different times that they do not have to wear masks uh, could you just clarify where that stands right now? Sure. There's a, there's essentially two two guidelines for masks right now. Ours are in place. The, the ones that differ are in place for when the mandate is lifted. So obviously the governor has the authority right now to go ahead and, and require masks for everybody indoors. And that's what it says. So that's the one that takes priority. So right now, you have to follow the governor's mandate. Everybody has to mask up 
and uh, there's not an option on that. We do have in place there that is strongly encouraged and so forth and so on. If the governor's order expires or if a court changes it or if the legislature changes it. So we wanted to have those guidelines ready if that happened. I don't know what will happen with it. Trying to avoid getting into the mask uh, decision, you know, um, that's not our area. We want to go ahead and make sure that they're doing what they have. And some districts are requiring masks anyway, even outdoors. And that's up to the you know local district, local health department. But the reason that there's a difference in there is you have to follow governor's mandate. If that's lifted, then we've got our suggestions and our guidelines. So we will, during the WIAA tournaments, require masks on everybody. Um, the only exception will be um, outdoors, such as a soccer game or a football game, the participants on the field, everybody on the sidelines, officials, um, and spectators will be required to wear a mask at WIA tournament uh, games, and uh, that's been that's uh, been in, the, in their um, guidelines for each sport. So we had uh, culminating events. So our sport directors had to come up with how they were going to conduct their tournaments, and then those were reviewed by the sport medical doctors as well. So we will, you know, we've got the, the gathering limits and, and so forth and so on. So. Uh, but masks are going to be required at the WIA tournament games. So that's um, coming up, obviously, here for volleyball and soccer. So just to clarify, masks will be required by participants at WIA tournament contests as well? No, not for the participants outdoors. So um, they're not going to go ahead and be required for that. But obviously the governor's mandate for masks inside, the participants in volleyball will be masked up, yes. Um. I I don't know what your thoughts are, I guess. And obviously, it, it if there's a mask mandate from the governor, then it's out of all of our control and all of our hands. But do you foresee a winter sport season, especially a high-exertion sport like basketball, a high-exertion sport like wrestling, being held with a mask mandate during, let's say, most or the entire season? Is that something that you foresee is, is happening feasibly? I think there's potential for that. You know, obviously the governor is going to go ahead and make that decision. But, um, yeah, I think there's potential for it. And, um, you know, it's about the greater good as well. So we have to go ahead and, and um, see where that goes. But I, I do anticipate that the governor's order is, is probably going to be extended as long as there is, you know, the rising numbers. And uh, they're working on with their governor's office and we'll go ahead and see if we can get um, see if we can go ahead and get uh, an exception for gymnastics um, only because with gymnastics, you know, if, if, the, if they're on a balance beam and the mask were to slip and cover the eyes, it would create the risk of injury. So we are working on that exemption. But uh, I, I do I do believe that we're going to see um, masks in, in place for a while. Uh, again, I, I do want to ask a couple questions about wrestling because there was some uh, some inquiries that I received, and I'm sure you have as well as you mentioned. Um, just to to clarify or follow up, what what changes or what guidelines are different for wrestling than you know there normally would be, or that might be different from some of the other sports? I, I know a couple people pointed out the um, I, I don't know if it's a rule or a recommendation against multi team events, and also. Um, a, uh, a, a guideline in there about a certain number of days after or between competitions. Um, could you just clarify where things are at for wrestling there? 
Right now, it's a rule um, that you can only have a dual meet against a single team, and you must have six to seven days in between. Uh, wrestling is a high-risk sport, and I know there's other tournaments, and I know they've been doing uh, stuff at private uh, operations and having, uh, you know, wrestling without masks and so forth and so on. Um, but at this point, those are our, our rules. We're going to revisit that um, when we go ahead and meet again in December, and we will revisit uh, again in January. Our goal is to go ahead and have the coaches and athletes follow the rules and give our our school leaders and our communities and our health departments uh, confidence in the fact that we can go ahead and conduct the high-risk sports without going ahead and being spreading. You know, for every email that I have that says, but we need to go ahead and have tournaments and we need to go ahead and provide my child more uh, opportunities to wrestle, I get an email that asks us how crazy I am to go ahead and, and recommend that we have wrestling this year as a super spreader sport. So we really need to go, go ahead and get everybody in the wrestling community to work together to say, here, see what we're doing. We can make this work. In the dual meet area during December, let us have some tournaments in January, and then let it work up so until we can get you know larger tournaments going. But that's really the key um, is is to go ahead and, and and give people an opportunity to see that we can do this in a in a healthy manner, and we can mitigate the risk as much as possible, and we can decrease the exposure. So um, that's uh, that's the important piece because last thing we need is to go ahead and have something. Uh, happen be traced back to a, a sporting event because then people say see we told you you can't do this stuff um and i know that there's schools and in, in um you know that are are unable to participate in, in the fall sports and maybe unable to participate in winter sports um they did the right thing for their community they did the right thing for their for their school district but the ones that do want to participate and do that we want to be able to go ahead and mitigate the risk as much as possible. So that's my biggest concern with wrestling. Um, I do believe that we can do it. Even if they're wearing masks, I don't see an issue with uh, wrestlers wearing a mask. Their, their headgear comes off as well, you know. So if they mask up and they practice with a mask, I think they can demonstrate that you can do that sport. Um, and our guidelines, if you look at the wrestling guidelines, uh, I think there's some real good suggestions about, um, you know, going ahead and showering after about, you know, how, how we're going to take temperatures before the bus leaves for weigh-ins. Weigh-ins can be done in a gym now because you can weigh in in a singlet or you can weigh in in your competition shorts and shirts. So I think we can do enough where we can separate by weights. And that's kind of what we need to be able to demonstrate. So then if we get into a tournament with four or eight teams, we'll be able to go ahead and and be able to demonstrate that we can also do that. You know, and the, the issue with wrestling really more is by limiting to two teams is the roster size. You know, not everybody has a complete roster in wrestling. So you don't want to get stuck with a team of 40 scheduling a match against a team with two because the 40 kids aren't going to get the opportunities to wrestle. So we have to uh, have our players do some, some, uh, for our, our schools to do some creative scheduling and, and try to have the big schools against the big schools and you know, schools with smaller rosters against each other, and, and hopefully they can work it out. We do have that exception from the board to go ahead and essentially, I think they called it a fifth corner exception, but 
Um, there's nothing preventing a school from going ahead and having exhibition matches with the opposing team if they need to get the kids two or three matches. So as long as they're following a the minute rule in between, you know, 45 minutes in between matches, they should be able to get the kids a couple couple matches in, in the night if they want. So it's going to be the creative scheduling. And then, like I said, we're going to revisit that and see if there's a way that we can get multiple schools together on the same night and, and to get, create more opportunities. Cause you know, you know dual meet, there's not, there's not a lot of matches there. So, you know, we've, I think at state, we had somebody touch uh, 60 matches uh, this last team state. So if you only get 14 duels and that's quite a difference between the opportunities. So our goal is to slowly progress and expand, but we have to be able to prove that we can do it and, and mitigate the risk. We're uh, wrapping up our conversation with Dr. Wade Lebecki, the deputy director at the WIAA. Um, I, I've kind of contended for a while that I, I thought the winter sports season could provide more challenges and, and be more challenging to pull off than a, a fall sports season where many of those sports are outside. Um, we obviously had a little bit more flexibility in the fall sports with the opportunity to move to that alternate spring season. What do you think are the prospects for winter sports in Wisconsin? Um, having them go off, having you know schools participate, um, what do you think the chances are and, and prospects are for winter season? You know, I think our schools are going to be able to do it. I think they're going to be able to give their kids the opportunities. Um, they, I believe, will do the same thing and follow those guidelines and and do a good job like the like the coaches and the athletes are in the fall and if they can go ahead and and do the guidelines and and and, and mitigate the risk as much as possible i think they're going to have a successful winter season and that's what I'm hoping. and i know that's you know might be pie in the sky but that's what i'm hoping for is that we can go ahead and offer those kids those opportunities i know we can do it in a safe manner or in a healthy manner and I, I, I try avoiding the word safe, but we can we can reduce the risk as much as possible. Uh, that's just, that takes everybody to work together, the entire community. You know, and we've got kids who are doing great leadership and, and role modeling by you know, asking people to mask up and socially distance, and that's going to be the key. If we can get everybody to do that, and we don't have some big outbreak, then we'll be able to demonstrate we can do this in a, in a good, healthy manner. Dr. Wade Lebecki, Deputy Director at the WIAA, we appreciate you joining us today uh, to provide some additional context and clarity for the fall sports seasons, for the uh, upcoming winter sports as well. Uh, always appreciate you taking some time to join us. Yep, no problem, Travis. Again, a great discussion with Dr. Lebecki, and, and he hit on some uh, really significant topics, obviously, some things that uh, people have been talking about some things that, that people had questions on that he was able to provide some some clarity and some additional uh, information and context on, uh, which was was great to see and uh, and great to get his his insight on all of this as the you know one of the people that's directly involved in making those decisions and um, you know as as you can tell um, the WIA and, and Dr. Lebecki especially in all the years that I've worked with him. They are really working hard to find solutions to problems right now uh, that they, you know, had not anticipated, had not, uh, you know, wanted to deal with, obviously, that are difficult decisions that people are going to disagree with one way or another. If they, if they provide opportunities for kids to play right now, there's going to be people upset. 
if they take away limit or, or in other, wor- other ways uh, encumber opportunities for kids to participate, people are going to be upset. It's like so many other decisions and situations with the WIAA over the years. No matter what they do, it's, it's going to be the wrong choice in some people's eyes. No matter what they do, it's going to be controversial. No matter what they do, some people are going to be unhappy. But uh, Dr. Lebecki has, has always been very upfront that he will always err on the side of providing opportunities for kids to participate in, in athletics, that they will find ways to make that happen, that they will uh, you know, do everything they can to make it a safe, uh, safer, healthier, uh, mitigated uh, opportunity. As, as he said, he, he doesn't like using the word safe, and, and I've tried to not use that word either because ultimately sports are, you know, there's risk involved and uh, just in a regular setting. And obviously right now there's, there's risk involved and it, it's probably a little bit of a misnomer if anybody tries to trot out there uh, that something is safe um, because there's, there's risk. It's, it's a matter of mitigating the risk. It's a matter of finding ways to reduce the exposure, reduce the risk. And uh, you know, that, that risk reward um, ratio uh, that people have to make a choice on and, and parents have to make a choice on for their kids it, are the uh, the rewards, the benefits of this activity, this sport, worth the risks associated. And, and that's what the WI is trying to uh, tip the, the balance on to, to make it, to reduce the risk to allow those rewards to, uh, to take place. So again, uh, a great conversation with Dr. Lebecki and, and one that I'm sure we will continue over the next coming months as we get into uh, winter sports and, and that starts to, to kick off and, you know, we, we may see some changes to those guidelines that they have in place. He already mentioned that, uh, you know, the wrestling uh, guidelines that are in place right now that, that I know some coaches feel are, are overly restrictive towards their sport. They want to find a way to, to loosen those up, but they kind of have to, um, you know, it's a little bit of a prove-it situation uh, at first to try to make sure that it can go off safely in a dual-meet situation, find some expanded opportunities after that. Um, so again, there will be changes to the guidelines. There's going to be changes to uh, what's going to happen this this winter. There's no doubt in my mind that there are some schools that will not have winter sports, at least not right away, and, and very likely will not have winter sports at all. Uh, we have not had any schools that have officially made announcements on winter sports yet, but I anticipate that there will be in the next couple of weeks, we'll start to see some of those schools that maybe didn't have sports in the fall will make some announcements on the winter sports season. And, uh, and again, I, I think without a doubt, there will be some that will not participate, which will be very unfortunate. Hopefully there's, there's ways that can be worked out to uh, to make it happen. Hopefully there's some, you know, delay instead of cancel that can be done, but uh, but we'll see. Um, there's a lot of factors involved, obviously, and, and everybody's trying to find that, that right balance in their lives. Week four of the high school football season, getting down to some of the culminating events in other sports as well. Uh, it's it's a, a fun time in high school sports right now for those that are able to compete, obviously. And, uh, and we're looking forward to bringing you all the information coming down the home stretch of the fall sports season here. This has been a WISports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game. <laughs>